0: And of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky, it is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8:30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Community where God's grace is so evident across the board. Where uh, from children's message to anthem, from scripture reading uh, to greeting our neighbors, it's plainly clear that God has poured out his grace in abundance. It frankly takes a lot of pressure off as your pastor to be a part of a worship community and not feel like it is on me because clearly God pours his grace out throughout this congregation. I'm incredibly thankful uh, and incredibly awestruck by the way that in worship we do God's story and encounter the divine. Powerful. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, as we uh, engage your word, open our hearts and minds to hear what you would speak to us today. May we, may we be receptive. May we uh, be transformed and may we go forth bearing witness to your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, raise your hand if you agree with me that leaders matter. Okay. I, Everybody should agree that leaders matter. If your leader is good, it's a good thing. If your leader is bad, it's a bad thing. Uh, Just looking at bosses we've had in our jobs, uh, you know what it's like to work for a bad boss, right? Whew! (laughs) I almost got an amen back there from somebody. (laughs) You know what it's like to work for just like a middling okay boss, right? Someone who's just kind of just getting it done but isn't really leading the group forward, Right? And then hopefully you know what it's like to work for an incredible boss. Uh, I've had all three in my lifetime. Right now I'm thankful that Todd is an incredible boss who, uh, who allows me the freedom to go and do, who builds into me and who, who, uh, who lets me fly. But then if I'm getting ready to fly too far, kind of grabs me back and, uh, and keeps me from getting myself in trouble. Because that's what bosses and leaders should do, right? They should be the ones who help uh, the whole prosper. Uh, they should give some direction. They should, they should seek the best of the group, and then they should uh, watch out for everybody. This, this is true for bosses at work. This is true for uh, parents and the family. This is true for our government leaders, right? So, so our government leaders go, so goes the people. If you got a good politician in office doing good, things seem to go well. If they don't, they seem to go poorly. You can just look across news throughout lots of different leaders and go, how they go the world goes. How Israel's leader goes, so Israel goes. There's a story of Israel having good leaders, Midland leaders, and and terrible leaders. When they have these uh, good leaders, it's the glory days of Israel. When Joshua leads them into the land and they get to take possession of it, it's a great day. When Samuel is leading them to understand the presence of God in their midst, it's a good day. When Josiah discovers the book of the law and declares it to the people and they turn and repent, it's a good day. Abraham and Moses, these are kind of like the, the, the middle leaders, right? There's, there's good things about them. David, there's good things about them. They're not bad people. There's, there's even righteousness to them, but they keep making these mistakes that kind of bring the community from, from experiencing their best, right? Moses' generation doesn't get to enter the land. David's generation, already struggling with with a little bit of fighting. But that looks wonderful compared to the bad leaders, right? Uh, Look at some of the judges who come in the land. They are just atrocious people. And when when atrocious people come on the scene, Israel starts to act atrocious. Look at at, uh, the bad kings. Northern Kingdom never has a good king, do they? Not a single one who is after God's own heart. And when these northern kings act, the people follow. When these kings say, let's worship Asherah, let's worship Baal, they do it. When they treat people as less than people and use them uh, for what they can produce, the people suffer. The southern kingdom isn't much better. They only have four good kings. The rest of them are bad. When the southern kingdom leaders are good, we start to get glimpses that maybe things will be okay. And then they pass away and the next king comes on the scene and things are terrible. Time after time again, Israel's story is their leader's story. The story of Israel seems to be about the whole of the people, and wherever their leader leads them is where they tend to go. That's the setting that God is speaking into today. He's speaking to a people in exile about really how they got there. He starts out with metaphor. "'Watch out, you shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture,' declares the Lord." This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, proclaims about the shepherds who tend to my people. You are the ones who scattered my flock and driven them away. You haven't attended to their needs, so I will take revenge on you for the terrible things you have done to them, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the few remaining sheep from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to the pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will place over them shepherds who care for them. They will no longer be afraid or dread harm, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. I'm going to use this metaphor of shepherd, Yahweh says. I'm going, to, I'm going to put new shepherds over them because you haven't not just cared for the sheep, you've driven them out of the pasture. But as God regularly does, he wants to make sure they get the imagery. If you didn't understand that I'm talking about you people, if you don't understand that you're the shepherds, here you go. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from David's line, and he will rule as a wise king. He will do what is just and right in the land. During his lifetime, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. Hey, kings. Hey, leaders. If you didn't get that I'm talking about you, hear it now. I'm getting ready to fix this. You are the ones who have led the people astray. And I'm going to have to take over. The people always wanted a king. But we heard back in the story of Samuel that God never desired for them to have a king to lead over them. He told Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And now God says, I'm going to be the one who takes over. I'm going to put some shepherds over you, and you will be led well. And if you don't believe me, here's the proof. So the time is coming, declares the Lord, when no one will say, as the Lord lives who brought up the Israelites from the land of Egypt. Instead, they will say, as the Lord lives who brought up the descendants of the people from Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he banished them so that they can live in their own land. If y'all doubt If you doubt, Israel, that Yahweh is doing a new thing, just watch. No longer will people say, this is God who brought us out of Egypt. They're going to say, this is God who brought us out of exile. This is God who brought us from the north. You don't have to just trust me. Watch what happens. I'm going to do it, and it will be so clear that you will forever change how you talk about me. And he does it. We've already heard the story about them coming back into the land, about settling in, about kind of this new period. And so then they, they come in the land, they begin to experience these promises, but they're wanting more. They, they sense the prophetic messages, asking that God is going to do more in their midst, that this isn't enough. And you turn the page from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you jump forward 400 years of them waiting for the real finish of this story, for the time when people are going to be awestruck by God. And we don't turn to a king who looks like David. We don't turn to someone who looks like Samuel. We turn to a birth story. I love Luke's account uh, of uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. He encounters uh, God in the Holy of Holies and comes out and can't speak. And when he finally speaks, he says, Bless the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to help and he has delivered his people. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he said through the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of those who hate us. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the solemn pledge he made with our ancestor Abraham. He has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live Before Jesus is even born, the power of God, the Spirit of God is on him, and he recognizes that all these prophecies are finding their fulfillment in Jesus, that now there is somebody that they will be able to serve him instead of other kings, that now all this is coming true, and the Spirit moves him before the very person of Christ even comes on the scene. We've got all these witnesses throughout Luke's story of recognizing God in the presence of Christ before he even comes on the scene, and then his life bears witness, right? We don't have to guess, did this come true? We see time and time again that the Spirit of the Lord is actually on Christ, that he's out doing these miracles, declaring that the Lord's kingdom is at hand. And then, then in the greatest display of his power and of his lordship, he suffers on a cross and dies for us. Right? We didn't expect that from the end of the story. But that's not the end of the story. His power and demonstration of his kingdom comes at his resurrection and ascension. Christ's story doesn't stop at the cross. In many ways, it starts there. If people weren't sure who Christ was, if they weren't sure that he was the one to be Lord of the universe, Pentecost happens. The flames of the Holy Spirit come down on the people, and Peter starts preaching, and towards the end of his sermon, he says, "'Brothers and sisters, I can speak confidently about the patriarch David.'" He died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this very day. Because he was a prophet, he knew that God promised, with him, promised him with a solemn pledge to seat one of his descendants on the throne. Having seen this beforehand, David spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he wasn't abandoned in the grave, and neither did his body experience decay. This Jesus God raised up, we are all witnesses to the fact he was exalted to God's right side and received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit, and you were seeing and hearing the results of this having done so. David didn't ascend to heaven, yet he says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the Spirit comes on the people, they can see clearly that in the resurrection power, Christ is just not Savior, he is Lord of all. He saved them, and now he ascends to be their Lord. We as the church uh, are pretty good with Christ as our Savior, right? This is most of our narrative, that Christ died for us and saved us from our sins. But church, we need to reclaim that Christ is our Lord. What would it look like if we stopped serving the lords of our society and worshiped the Lord of all creation? What would it look like if Christ was truly the Lord of our finances, of our families, of our jobs, of our everyday, ordinary, walking-around lives? I believe that God is doing something in Andover because I'm hearing your stories. I'm talking to you who people are noticing a difference in your life. So let's declare that Christ is not just Savior, he is Lord because we've seen it. They saw him deliver them from Egypt. They saw God deliver them from exile. The disciples saw him resurrected and we have seen the Holy Spirit poured out and do things in our lives. If you haven't, Believe that he can and ask him to do it. God is not going to ask you to have faith just on faith's sake, not to just trust some unseen thing. Our God does things in the world today and wants to show his face to the world. Friends, if you haven't seen it, look more clearly because God wants you to bear witness to what he's doing. He wants you to declare that Christ is Lord over all, that Caesar is not, that the president is not, that the mayor is not, that Christ is Lord over all. Look around the world. They need to know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, friends. I don't care what news station you listen to or what app you get your news on, the world needs to know that there is somebody else in charge. That's right. Amen. Imagine what the 40509 would look like if we took seriously that Christ is Lord. What if we took seriously that the Spirit will fill us and let us go drop little pieces of the kingdom of heaven all over this area? Because that's what we're doing. We're waiting for those promises from last week. We're waiting for new creation when Christ is going to come and make all things new, when there is no more pain and no more suffering and no more sorrow. But until then, we get to be God's very agents to go and say, Christ is Lord, his kingdom is at hand, and God is with us. Friends, may that be how we leave for this next year. This is the... Uh, New Year's Day of the church. It's Christ the King Sunday where we declare that Christ is king over all. We're going to spend this whole next year in a year with Jesus. It's going to be every Sunday you're getting gospel message. We're going to resource you with books and materials to send out and say that we are a people who serve the lordship of Christ. I'm so excited about what God has done, what God so clearly is doing, and what God will do. But it takes us doing nothing more than saying, Have your way, Lord. You are the King. I serve your kingdom alone. Have your way. Would you pray with me? Have your way, Lord. Have your way. move in our life so clearly that we can't help but point to those moments where we can't help but be like the nations before who can say, I have seen God move. Pour out your spirit on each person here in abundance that they might go forth trusting fully in you and your lordship. Lord, send us out as a people who declare that your kingdom is at hand and tell you to the world that you reign. Lord, help us see your kingdom for what it is release from captivity, freedom, liberation. Lord, we, we feel the weight of every other leader that we follow. Even the best one pales in comparison to you. So turn our hearts fully to you. Turn us uh, to your lordship. Lord, have your way. In Christ's name we pray, Amen.